Thank you for joining New Life Fellowship Podcast today. We are a church desiring to expand the kingdom of God by making disciples. We pray that this message inspires you, build your faith, and hope that it will give you perspective to see that our God is moving in your life. Hope you enjoyed the message. Uh, my name is Kenny, for those of you that know, and I'm just one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege just to preach uh, for our family service uh, we're going to be going through a, a four-week series on uh, deadbeat, if you saw the video. And uh, essentially, um, we're going to be looking at our behavior through the lens of God, which is that we're selfish, that we're manipulative, that we're just abusive, you know, deadbeat lovers of God. But God in his graciousness still redeems us, right? He redeems us. And so for the next four weeks, uh, every sermon is going to be focused on that. And today I get to kick off the sermon series with the book of Ruth. And uh, the book of Ruth is very uh, beloved because, um, well, it's short, it's four chapters, but it has all the elements of a good story. It has suspense, it has drama, it has action, it has love. And like all good stories, it has a happy ending. And so uh, the book of Ruth, uh, it's about this guy who named Elimelech, as Pastor Minguk said. He, he moved and he took his entire family from Bethlehem to Moab because of a, a famine. And to give you an idea of how far that is, that's like going from Bothell and walking all the way to Tacoma. Like imagine that, but you're not just going on flat ground and you're not going with, you have all this gear, right? You have everything that you, you grew up with, you're taking it, and, and it's not just flat terrain. And if you've ever gone on a hike, you know that even a few miles of, of a hike can take all day, right? And so it was a big deal. It was a big deal for them to lo- leave their community, and, and it took them a long time. And, and what the text says is as soon as they get there, Elimelech actually dies. And, you know, their, their kids, their two sons, they marry Moabite women who are not Christians, uh, and after 10 years, they also die. And so uh, the scene that we're left with is Naomi. And she lost, you know, her sons. She lost her husband. And she's just left with Orpah and Ruth, who, who were the, hus- who were the uh, son's wives. And so that's our text. That's where we're going to land on today. It's Ruth 1, 15 to 22. And so if you have your Bibles, let's open it up to Ruth 1, 15 to 22. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind us. Let's all rise to our feet for those of you who are able to. And uh, I'll read from this text. I'm going to read from the ESV version, and this is from Naomi. And she said, see, your sister-in-law, that's Orpah, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts from me, from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can be seated. Let's be seated. Uh, I just want to begin just by thanking uh, you guys. I, um, my family, we moved here just 10 months ago, actually. 10 months uh, we feel like we've been here forever. Uh, if you're new here, this is an awesome church, and we've been just so blessed by the people here and the ministry and the work that we get to do here. 
And, um, but before that, we actually lived in L.A., Los Angeles, right? Uh, we lived in L.A., and when you think of L.A., uh, a lot of people just think of the sun. They think of, like, oh, it's great weather. But then when you talk to anybody about L.A., what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about the food, right? Because L.A. has great food. It has good Korean food, Greek food, Armenian food, Italian food. You know, you name it, right? There's, like, great food there. If you've never been to L.A., you should check it out. Uh, For me and my family, uh, we really liked tacos in L.A. We really love the tacos, right? And we have little kids, and so tacos are just really easy to get. They're cheap. The kids can eat it. Our family can eat it. And so we would oftentimes go and get tacos. And so uh, I remember on a Monday evening, this was about 9 o'clock, my wife and I, we were hungry. The kids went down, and so we were going to have our second dinner. And for those of you who don't know what a second dinner is, is when you have kids, they eat at like 4.30. And so you get, just get hungry again. So you have to eat again like at 5. It's like, oh, it happens all the time. And so we went out, uh, or I went out, I got the tacos, brought it back, and we ate it. It was delicious. The next day, my usual routine is to take Henry, our son, to school and then drive to church. And so I dropped Henry off at school. And I distinctly remember driving, and then I got the feeling You guys know what I'm talking about. I got the feeling right here. Like, I had to go number two. I had to go number two. And so the thing about L.A. is that there's a lot of traffic. You know, you guys hear about the L.A. traffic, and it's true. It took about 20 minutes on the GPS to go to church. And so I said, man, that's 20 minutes too long. This is 20 minutes too long. And so I'm driving, I'm driving, and, like, you know, you can't really think of anything else. I'm sweating bullets. And then you know it's bad when you start having these crazy thoughts like, I'm just going to go in the car and it's going to be okay. (laughs) Like, it's not that bad. But I remembered that there was a Costco on the way. And so, you know, I just quickly drove to the Costco and I, you know, parked the car and then I I just walked in. You know, you have to show your Costco card when you go there. And then I do this thing. It looks ridiculous, but I did it just like fast walk. Just like, oh, here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I went to the bathroom and I thought like, this is a great place because it's big. There's a lot of stalls. But when I got there, I kid you not, there was only two stalls, two stalls. And not only that, there was a line five deep, five deep. And I had to, you know, I had to go. And so I just waited in line. But as I looked, I I just said, Hey, wait a minute. One of those stalls, no one's using that stall. And so I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go in that stall. I'm going to check it out. And so I passed on, like, oh, excuse me. How are you doing? Excuse me. And so I got to the stall, and you guessed it. The stall's just, it's busted. The stall door is busted. The toilet doesn't work. But I'm desperate. I'm desperate. And I'm here to confess to you all that I did number two, holding the door like this for the first time in my life. And the embarrassing part was that I had to walk out and pass all those people who knew that that was busted. (laughs) And so the question is, why am I telling you this embarrassing story? (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling you guys this story. (laughs) No, no. I'm telling you because I wasn't okay during that time. I was not okay. And, and, you know, as I looked at our website this week, you know, the heading says, it's okay not to be okay. God meets you where you're at. God meets you where you're at. But the funny thing is, I don't think as Christians that we really believe this. In fact, I think we think it's not okay to not be okay, right? And, and I'll prove it to you. It, when you. When you talk to somebody at church, you ask them, how are you doing? And, and they'll say, good, right? But if you know them, they might say, oh, yeah, it was a rough week. But, but nothing further, right? You can't be not okay. Or, or in your community groups, when you're going around talking about prayer requests, it can only be so deep. You know, if your problems are too deep, 
you know, oh, they're going to judge you. Like, oh, that person, they got some real issues, right? But the thing is, many of us are not okay. So, so what are we supposed to do? How, how are we supposed to respond when we're not okay? Uh, this afternoon, I want to focus on Naomi because, you know, the book, it's called Ruth. And Ruth is so faithful. But I think a lot of us actually can relate with Naomi. You know, she responded to her situation with bitterness. You know, she went back to her hometown and they greeted her. They said, Naomi. And, you know, what she said is, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. You know, the word Mara, the name Mara just means bitter. And when I imagine this scene, I just imagine like the Lord of the Rings, right? There's like Smeagol who used to be like this friendly hobbit. And he just has like dangly hair and like he can't even recognize him anymore. And he's just like, who is this person? That is what I imagine when Naomi went back to her hometown. Like, who is this person? I don't even recognize them. But the thing is, Naomi had a lot of good reasons to be angry, right? Her husband died. She had to leave everyone she knew at Bethlehem, her community, her friends, security and then not only that her sons got married but they also died like wouldn't you be bitter wouldn't you be angry wouldn't you be frustrated if this happened to you and i think the lesson that we can learn this afternoon is that there's actually two reactions that you have when something like this happens to you because it will happen is you either become angry you become bitter at god or you draw closer to him you either run away from him as fast as you can or you cling on to him. But I, I think for a lot of us, we actually run away, right? We're good at running away. For Naomi, she had a history of running away. She ran away when there was a famine. She ran away back after all this stuff happened. And we do the same thing. We run away. You know, if, if you walk into a restaurant that's 100 degrees, because you're going to go eat, but they can't change the temperature, like you're probably going to walk out. Like 100 degrees too hot, right? And we really see this in kids. Like, if you ever looked at a kid, like, uncomfortable, like, they do this thing with their body. They're just like, Ugh. like, I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, get out of their body or something, right? Like, they could actually do that, but they're just so uncomfortable. And, and for my kids, you know, I'm, I'm trying to teach them to read these days. And, you know, if I teach them a word that they understand and that they know, they're so confident. They're like, what is this word, Henry? He's my son. He's like, and, right? I'm like, good job, Henry. And, but if I do a two-syllable word or a three-syllable word, he's just like, ah, like, I gotta go. And he says, like, I gotta go potty. And he just, like, leaves, right? And and we see it in kids because they're so frustrated, they just want to escape and give up. And we might do it in a different way. You know, in Netflix, there's this feature called Go to Next. You guys know what I'm talking about. You watch, like, one episode, and then at the end, there's, like, a 20-second timer. Whoever did this is a genius, because you sit there, you're debating, okay, it's a cliffhanger. Am I going to watch this? And then more often than not, I bet you a lot of you guys, you guys go to next. And it's like it happens over and you finish the season and you regret it the next day. And we do this because we're, we're escaping. It's a form of escaping. When, when we don't have answers to solutions, we want to run away. And, and this is especially prevalent when you're in a situation like Naomi where she's just hurt. She's beaten. She's angry. You know, she just wants to pull away because she's in pain. And for us, you know, it might be our, our maybe our, your class was just too hard and you had to drop out or this job isn't worth it or these friends are too difficult or, or how about, you know, this marriage, this marriage is just too hard. I'm, I'm going to leave. Or this church, it's, it's too hard. I'm going to leave this community. And the thing is, a lot of times we're successful. A lot of times we're successful. But what happens when you can't escape pain? 
What happens when you are not successful at running away? And I think that's why people get depressed. That's why they get sad and hopeless. That's why they get bitter, right? And as I just reflected on this passage, just felt the conviction of God uh, speaking to me, you know, that there's so many people in our church, there's so many people that are just not okay. And they're not okay and they're bitter because they're just so alone, right? They're so alone. And, and there's people who are alone because they have no friends. There are people who are alone because they're not married. But then there's people who have friends and they are married, but they're married to people who don't understand them. And that's a different type of being alone, right? And we're so connected now more than ever, but we're so much more lonely now more than ever too. And the typical answers at church is go pray. Go read the Bible, right? But like, does that work all the time? Like, like I'm just struggling here. These answers bring me little hope. Like what happens? I don't feel like I can escape. And as I was just looking at this passage, I was like, God, I don't know what the answers are. And so I just looked at the different characters that went through the different struggles. You know, for Naomi, she, she felt bitter because she was forgotten. For David, you know, David, a man after God's own heart, he actually felt forgotten many times and he was angry at God. In Psalm 13, it says, how long will you hide your face from me when he's talking to the Lord? There's a character by the name of Job who had everything. He had wealth. He had friends, he had a good family, and then he lost it all. He lost it all, and he got sick. And in Job 13, it says, How many are my iniquities and my sins? Make me know my transgressions and my sins. Why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? You know, these guys, they're great characters. And we see how they are redeemed. But during this time, they're going through something so intense, something so terrible that they're so mad because they feel forgotten that God has abandoned them. And, and that's how we feel, right? Like when you feel like you're forgotten by God. When it doesn't feel like God is near, right? It's like, God, like I know you're there. I know you exist. I know you're good, but I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. Like this pain is too much to bear. Like I'm praying to you, but I'm not really hearing anything back. Like I am not okay. Because when a situation feels so hopeless... It's just hard, right? But the Bible is telling us it's okay. In these situations, you can be angry. You can be frustrated at God. And all these characters, they actually did run away in some way, physically or emotionally from God. But eventually, you know, God pulled them back as we see in the story. You know, in Boston, uh, I had the pleasure to, to live there for a while. And I ministered at a church called High Rock Church. Uh, it's in Boston. And uh, the lead pastor, his name was Dave. And one of the things about Dave is uh, him and his wife, they couldn't have kids. And so they actually adopted and fostered 11 kids. It's crazy, 11 kids. Their car was the church van. That's how crazy it was. And, you know, that was one of the things that kind of drew me to the church. Like, wow, like this guy has a heart for, you know, the little children. He, you know, he, he, he does what the word says. And so, you know, I wanted to work at that church. I just wanted to learn and, um, you know, it was inspirational, but, you know, as I got there, I remember our staff meetings, he, he would open up and just share about some of the difficulties of having these children, right? In the beginning, oh, you know, it was great, but it got difficult really fast. And it got difficult on their marriage, financially difficult, spiritually difficult. He was asking questions and he was keeping it real. He was saying, sometimes, you know, I actually regret adopting these kids. 
And, and for me, you know, I'm like, oh, man, like everyone has this perception of you. And, you know, you're an inspirational story. But then there's this other side, this other hardship that you can't share with, you know, everyone. You can share with your staff. And, and, and it, it was you just share this with there was not much hope. And he would share this week after week after week. And I remember, you know, one of the weeks he just shared the same story. But then he ended in a different way. He said, you know, this has made me really desperate for God. This has made me really desperate for God because I can't do this on my own. Because when you're facing a situation that is beyond your abilities, beyond your own abilities, you become desperate. You become desperate. Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You know, that, that verse, it's just words. But if you're desperate, it has a new meaning. You experience God in a different way. And I think if we're honest, some of us don't experience God because we, we, we don't need him. We're not desperate for him, right? The word is saying we need to be desperate. And it's okay to respond in anger because you're not okay. You're not okay. And, 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 and what brings me hope and what should bring you hope is God actually brought back these people, not because of themselves, actually. They were actually very selfish. You know, she was very bitter, right, Naomi? But she brought, God brought Ruth to walk alongside her. God brought Jonathan to be alongside David. God brought Job's friends to walk alongside him. God brought a community of people to walk alongside them, to remind them that they were not forgotten. And I think that is the hope and the promise and the comfort of Ruth, that God has not forgotten you. And when Naomi felt lost, Ruth was there. And, you know, I don't think Naomi got a chance to finish her story, right? The story actually ends with a genealogy, which is a lineage of Naomi's kids all the way through. And the genealogy traces to King David and it, kings, it, it traces all the way to Jesus. It traces to Jesus. And she never got to realize that all this suffering, all this pain, there was a reason. There was a reason for it. But we get to see this text. We get to see the full narrative to see that there is a reason for pain and suffering and that God has not abandoned you. You know, I, I like the movie. Uh, it's, it's called Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo, and there's a book. I've never read the book, but I've watched the movie a lot. <laughs> and in the movie, there's a character by the name of Edmund Dantes. And Dantes has it all. He has a good job. He's going up in the ranks. He has a fiance. He has a best friend. He has it all. But his best friend is actually really jealous of him and plots successfully to throw him into a prison. And so he gets into prison and he finds out that his best friend is the one who sent him there. And he's in isolation for years and, and he plots his revenge. He plots like, I'm going to get back at this guy. And one day the ground just kind of rises up. It's like bricks. And there's this hand that shoots up and it's the hand of a priest who's in prison. It doesn't say why, but he's in prison. He's been trying to like dig out with this tiny shovel, but he dug out the wrong way. And it took him years and years. And so he tells him, hey, look, help me dig the right way. And I'll teach you how to read. I'll teach you how to fight. I'll teach you history, all these things. And so Dante's, yeah, of course he agrees. He has nothing better to do, right? And so during that time, uh, Dante's just tells the priest kind of everything while learning and just confesses, like, I'm going to get back at my friend when I get out. And then there's this scene where the cave that they're digging underground actually crashes on the priest. And the priest is actually crushed. And Dante's pulls him out and gets him up. And the priest is actually dying. And there's this scene 
where um, the priest says, do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. God said, vengeance is mine. Then Dante looks at him and says, I don't care. Like, I don't believe in God. God has abandoned me. And then there's this powerful line that the priest says. He says, it doesn't matter. He believes in you. And I think that's the comfort and the takeaway that we have today. That even if you're not okay, even if you're not perfect, no matter what you're going through, God believes in you. And the hope that we have is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, that he paid the price for our sins. And that even though we don't understand why are we going through these things, even though we're angry and frustrated, there is a plan, there is a hope, and we see that in Jesus Christ. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for um, the cross for Jesus who made a way, God. Lord, we pray, Lord, uh, I pray uh, just a spirit of comfort, of peace, of understanding for those that are not okay in this place this afternoon, God. That your spirit can come and provide answers, Lord. But if answers don't come, Lord, we have these texts, we have the word to remind us, Lord God, that there is a plan for these things, God. So this morning, Lord, wherever we're at, however we're feeling, Lord, remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Oh, we thank you. We pray in your son's name.